Hello, welcome to the High Ground Podcast, episode 10 of Andor Dropped. It was a banger, probably one of the best episodes of TV, I think, I've ever seen. But it's not going to be just me gushing about it. As usual, amazing cast of people joining us uh, right here on the High Ground. Hello, and welcome to the high ground. Uh, newcomers and uh, and people who have been here before. Uh, let's start by going around. I want to introduce, have you guys introduce yourselves, uh, say who you are, where we can find uh, your awesome content. And uh, let's let's see, where, where's, where's Andor in kind of your ranking of shows, right? Star Wars, TV, uh, I need your top three, all right? And I'll uh, I'll go to Young first. Oh, oh, I'm so bad at icebreakers. Hi, I'm Young. Uh, <laughs> Lothal Youngling on TikTok and Twitter, but I'm mainly on TikTok. And I also have a podcast with my friend Jamal at JComics7 uh, called There Are More of Us. And you can find it on Apple and Spotify. And my list. Beth. Come on. Uh, <laughs> we can come back. We can come back. To yeah, come back to me. It's so hard. <laughs> All right. No worries. Uh, how about you, Tate? Ah, well, I am Star Wars Facts Guy. I'm primarily and pretty much only on TikTok. That's Star Wars Facts Guy. A lot of people think it's fact, but it is facts because I do know more than one fact, in fact. Um, catch me at uh, Star Wars Celebration next year as well. I will be there and I'll be doing super cool, awesome things. Um, when it comes to my show ranking at the moment, I actually had a discussion about this with my friend this morning because after last night's episode, I rewatched the entire Nokina 5 arc and it honestly pushed Andor to the tippy top for me. So Andor's number one, Andor's king. And then maybe controversial nowadays because I know the um, discourse around it has changed. Obi-Wan at number two and then Mando at number three. Oh, nice. All right. Uh, how about you, Spooky Jedi? Uh, I'm Spooky Jedi on TikTok, and and I'm also part of a podcast called Rebel Scum with the Side of Calf. Uh, we're on Spotify right now, and we just started at the beginning of Andor. I personally would rank... Are we doing including animated shows or no? Yeah, yeah. Is that like in that animation. Yeah, we'll okay. include them. Uh, Rebels is definitely at the very top for me for Star Wars shows. Like, um, and then probably Clone Wars. Just there's so much content, and I don't know. Andor, it's a toss-up between it, Mando, and Kenobi for me. Like, I'm really not sure where I would throw it, but like, it putting something at the bottom of the list feels bad. But like, I love all the Star Wars shows. So like even something at the bottom of the list isn't really bad in my opinion though. Yeah, and that, that's why I say top three because you yeah. don't need to go into a, you know the the, the bottom. Oh yeah, that's fair. But, yeah. Um, no, appreciate it. And we got a nerdy nightly crew. Uh, that is right. I'm nerdy. And I'm Clarus. And we are the dynamic duo behind such hits as the Nerdy Nightly YouTube channel, and the Nerdy Wordy Book Club, and the Nightly Morning Show, all of which you can find here on YouTube, all of your podcast feeds everywhere. Um, and yeah, Clarissa, do you have a definitive top three Star Wars shows for you right now? 
Um, definitely, like, top two, like, hands down are Andor and Mandalorian for me right now. Um, the, that, that third spot, um, I actually don't, I don't know. Um, I have not watched Rebels yet. Don't, <laughs> don't come at me. I promise I will. It's on the list. Um, You've only seen one season of Clone Wars. No, I've seen uh, episodes. One season and three episodes. yeah, yeah. Um, um, so I'm gonna actually go with Bad Batch. Bad Batch. The okay. first season. Yeah, we we started watching Clone Wars in chronological order, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to which is mostly we, season one. Yeah, mostly season one with a couple episodes in season two and three. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Nice. Um, I mean, I'm gonna go with the 1980s droids animated show from Saturday mornings oh. at number mm-hmm. one. Uh, it's not good, but God, am I nostalgic for it. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's tough. I think that the, the conversation around Andor for me is difficult just because it isn't complete yet. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I was having this conversation about what my top five shows of the year was going to be on Twitter. And I, you know, Andor right now sits in that um, on the fence, we'll see how it ends. Because I think a strong ending on a strong show, Andor will probably end up being the number one Star Wars show I think they've ever made, right? Uh, I think the last five episodes in particular have been some of the best television of the year. Uh, but a week ending, if they don't manage to land this ship until the end of season two, uh, I think that, you know, it, it could go down as one of those kind of huge penultimate moments uh, with a finale that doesn't really deliver. And so I'm, I'm definitely hesitant to call it mm-hmm. the best thing this year until I see the last two. But for now, it, it is at the top for me. I think it's number one. I, I think that um, Mandalorian is number two. And then after Mandalorian, it's it's really a tough kind of like bubble of Clone Wars has some of the best arcs, but then season two and three of Rebels is some of the best Star Wars ever. So I, Rebels and Clone Wars are kind of fighting out for that third spot. But. Okay, all right, not bad. And Young, have you have you have you come to a decision? I think I finally did. This will probably change in the next five minutes. So uh, as of now, just because I have the attention span of a flea, it is Andor because it's it's just it, it's so good. And it, it, it gets into some topics that, you know, we don't want to think about sometimes, but it is slapping you in the face, making you wake up if you aren't already woken up. And then uh, Rebels, because it's just... Are you saying you're woke? Okay. I mean... Look, look at, me. A woke look, at me. <laughs> look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I'm a woman of color. I think I have to be a little bit woke. <laughs> um, and then. Uh, on, so, never mind. Not going to make that joke. <clears throat> I was looking at some of the polling from yesterday's vote for the United States and. Ooh. Y- yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Let me. Let me. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you just pull a dog into the podcast? I, I I did. Some sometimes um, she just wants some uh, attention. So this nice. is uh, Suki, um, named after the character in Hi, um, Avatar: The Last Airbender, and uh, we also just Great. got I'm a kitten. Like, we just got a kitten named uh, Avar. So I was gonna say, has Avar started to crawling? Tried to claw up your leg yet? <laughs> all of the time. All of the. T- I actually thought this was was Avar, so I was ignoring her paws on my back. But I was like, oh, it's not digging inside of my skin. So it must not be the cat. Um, the cat climbs me like a mountain and it's horrible every time. Uh, but it makes me wear pants all the time. So. <laughs> uh, See, he's my favorite in Avatar. You're a man of fine tastes. 
Um, but yeah, jumping into this this episode. Uh, whew. So I, I kind of like to break it up by storyline and also start with um, how everyone feels about the, the title of the episode and how, how it connects throughout, right? So, um, you know, we, we got one way out. Uh, and whew, I, I think that hit me hard. But how do you guys feel about the title and how it plays in? You know, we had major storylines for, for Mon Mothma, for Andor. Um, you know, obviously, and and some great Lutheran stuff, um, and we want this to be conversational. But I'll I'll call people if, if we start getting quiet. I'll go to I'll ask Tate first to start. Oh no pressure, no pressure. Thanks, Jocko. Thank you. Um, <laughs> gosh, honestly, I've really enjoyed the um, naming scheme for these episodes. Mando did the really cool thing was like chapter two, chapter three, but always like a good title that's resonant with the themes of the story. And you know, I, I think you'd be remiss to kind of miss what's going on with this title one way out it's very much connecting to the story overall the idea that the only way out of um authoritarian fascism is armed revolution that is the only way out is either you're in the system for the rest of your life or you fight your way out the system kind of resonating with what um cassian and later kino would say about you know you're either gonna die giving them what they want or you're gonna die fighting to get out so i think that's definitely what they're hitting with there and it plays really nicely with all the other um titles that have gone past like especially nobody's listening that idea that title yeah. specifically tying into one way out it's all the connective tissues there there's so many layers upon layers when it comes to the way that this arc in particular has been constructed it's perfect couldn't couldn't be better awesome love it and uh spooky uh, and also what do you want me to call you <laughs> uh you can call me spooky or eric uh either or it doesn't uh Either is fine. It doesn't bother me. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't know if I have a lot more to add other than what he already did. But I'm loving the names and uh, overall. And I think there's a lot to be. Uh, there's a lot of conversation to be said just about, about like how like well thought out like the names are and just like everything in Andor seems to be like. Nothing seems to be like an accident, or that everything seems to be like well placed. Yeah, and, yeah. I think, uh, I think uh, what I found so fascinating about the concept of one way out is that they don't know what that way is. Like they they come up with this mantra of one way out, and they all buy in a hundred percent, right? Everyone is fully committed to the idea, and then when they get to the end of the road they're all surprised at what the one way out is, right? They 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 get to the edge, and sorry if. Spoilers for the episode. I, I, oh yes, yeah, yeah. We, we're we're going into it. Like. You know, they get to the edge of that the edge of that ledge um, because I want to be Dr. Seuss without the racism when I'm older. But uh, they get to the edge of that ledge, and they're they're looking out, and you know, the the entire galaxy is before them. How they get off that planet, I have no idea. But the entire galaxy is before them, and their one way out is a way that isn't actually a way out for some of them, right? Um, when they look back at Kino and he can't swim, and like he came oh. up with the one way out. And he didn't know what the end of his own road was going to be. And so it, it's fascinating, you know, how we can... I, I think that on top of all the other commentaries, it's commentary on how sometimes we can buy into the slogans. We can buy into the marketing of something, of a movement, without really knowing the direction that we're going. And how even though you may not know the direction that you're going, full commitment is the only way to get there. And when you get there, you'll figure it out, right? There will be a next step. There will be that next thing. But yeah, they're, they're, they keep saying one way out. And obviously, for them, that way out is up. But 
that way out is also the unknown, right? It's, it's a mystery that they, they genuinely don't have an answer to. They're all kind of like, well, I guess, here we go. It also like leans in a little bit to the, uh, like a mob mentality mm-hmm. um, in terms of like getting a large group of humans in the same area who all have uh, something that binds them together. Um, and, you know, we have seen in a lot of instances through like literature or even like news where like that can like be very negative and go horribly wrong. And in this case, it's, um, a a group of people who we don't even really know why any of them are there. I I don't believe that that's like really talked about or or gone into depth, but these people who are in prison, Mm -hmm. who know that there's there's that when they leave they're not really leaving um and they they just they have that thing that binds them together into like almost a singular mindset which is why i don't think anyone takes the moment to think one step ahead um and i think that that's what makes um that's what reflects on Andor as the leader in a sense because i think he knew um i think he was kind of the only one who had at least a half a step ahead um and, and realized where this was going yeah yeah, I, it's uh, who or uh, young? Sorry, you haven't. Oh no, just here. thinking. Y'all hit the nail on the head, but I think I'm gonna take it one step in sort of the the morbid direction. But the only way out is death, unless you die or just fight like hell to get out. But the only thing guaranteed to them at this point in time is death. That's what we saw with, um, most likely with with Kino that that scene. I'm I'm still trying to process that scene and then going immediately oh. to Luthen and Le- Leno, Lini, Len- Lionel, what's his name? Lonnie. Lonnie. Lonnie, thank you. Like going with Lonnie because yeah. like with, with, with that scene, there really isn't any way out for either of them except like y'all said, to fight. But more than likely someone's going to end up dead. I just, uh, that, but just this whole thing, emotional damage. Yeah, uh, especially uh, Luthen's speech at the end. You know, what has he given them? It's it's everything. It's his soul. It's uh, it's yeah. Sunrise he'll never see. Yeah, I'll burn my life to build a sunrise I'll never see. Is such an incredible line. Yeah, that there was too much emotional damage in this one episode with Kino not leaving and that speech. I like. I'm gonna have to rewatch. The- this at least three or four times to like fully process it. Mm-hmm. Okay, but about Kino, like two guys could have swam here yeah. ashore. I'm just yeah. saying, like if he had jumped in next to me, I I can swim myself and another grown adult. I could teach they, him to swim in the first like but first. He might have phobia though. He might be like deathly afraid of water, like open water. And there are people out there that have that as like a phobia where they could just like not even ever make that jump. But I think they're I'm also. Kidding, think it's very much, he's gonna get pushed. It's very much <laughs> the Jack, the Jack and Rose Titanic of the Star Wars universe. They could have <laughs> swam him. It's, too cold it's the Jack and Rose situation all over again. It's too cold. Uh, they still freeze before they get there. I mean, my theory is that uh, Leonardo is like, you know, I I wasn't really thinking this as a long term thing. Um, <laughs> I got I gotta go. <laughs> I'm, I'm really busy. Uh, well, I don't. I don't think the the prisoner's altruism after uh, was there because I mean, as we saw what, in two episodes previously, they weren't. They didn't feel any sadness that their fellow prisoner 
fried himself. They, it, it was just very, it was an inconvenience. So once they, I guess you'd say, got to the edge, that mob mentality disbanded and it was every man for themselves. And I don't think, except for like potentially Andor Melchi would have helped him swim, but I don't think a lot of the other men would have helped him because they just, they were just thinking of themselves and getting out and potentially their friends. But I think it was every man for themselves once they hit the water. I would agree with that. If yeah, I mean, even, they even were before free. that. The, my, 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 thing, my thing about it, though, is looking at the position that you're in, you want to get to that shore with as many people on your side as possible because they, have to, they still have to get off that planet. And, like, the big question, you know, getting out of this episode, and I hope that they answer it. I hope they don't pull what they pulled with Cinta um, and Aldani, where she's just, like, on Ferrix the next time we see her. And you're like, wait, but how did you get past the Star Destroyer? Um, I, I hope that we see how they actually get off Narkina because they're not their escape isn't done, right? They've they've swam mm -hmm. across a lake, but as far as we know, there are no cities on Narkina. There's no ships, right? Like we've only seen there be this imperial presence. And so, if I was one of those prisoners, I'm not looking at it as all right, we're done. I'm looking at it as all right, we need to band together as many people as possible so that when they land the ship we can have enough people to take out that crew and take that ship. And then maybe when we get to Coruscant or when we get to wherever we're going, Tatooine or Jakku, somewhere far away from the Empire <laughs> Wall, then we can split up. But like, we're not done. <laughs> like, you we, know, we swim ahead of us, but then we probably have two or three more fights before we're actually out of this point of nest. I kind of like How many of them would think about that yeah. in, in, yeah, in the moment? We see, maybe in hindsight, we've seen probably. the scene prior. In this in the scene prior when they're running through the sky bridge, Ham and I think it's Tago or whatever, they get trampled over. People they're just knocking through each other. It's very much that kind of mob idea of once they're that close to the door, it's kinda of like the horse with the blinders on trying to get through the race as soon as possible. It's definitely brings into a question of and please shush me if I'm sidetracking too hard, but is one way out an interpretive slogan? Is there, was everyone's one way out a collective? Is there a collective one way out? Or does everyone have an, their own version of what that one way out is? Because Kino said, you know, help your fellow man, help those who are lost. But for the other person, that one way out could be, screw the guy next to me. Screw the guy I'm running with. I got to get out whatever way I can. So I or think maybe it, it was just literal. Point, there's only one door. Uh, it could be. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. A way out. But then they pull the camera up and there's three different doors and everyone's swimming <laughs> in different directions. I was like, well, it looks like there's three ways out. But, you know, that's fine. Oh, only way yeah, out is I, I kind of took it another way uh, where, you know, it's it's all about. I mean, this is this is basically what the rebellion is going to be, right? Just uh, like Rise of Skywalker, it's just it's just people, you know. But once they topple the Empire, everyone's like, well, now what do we do? I didn't, I didn't think this far. Uh, I have to. We have to form a new government now, and like people need to become senators and stuff you know like we were rebels before like this this is a whole new world that we're, we're not prepared for so yeah i mean i i see that as just a microcosm of of that these guys escaped out of the prison they're on the planet uh and the empire will probably send you know other people not all those people are gonna make it some might end up in other prisons but uh, you know it's it's still better than uh <laughs> it's still better than working yourself to death um, you know, in, it's, in it's prison. Like, it's like that end scene in Finding Nemo where they finally make it to the ocean, but they're still in the bags, and Bloat's like, now what? And they're just <laughs> in the bags. <laughs> and I think what's so sad about that is I don't even, I think most of those people who escaped there 
because we see, I think, I, I couldn't really tell what was going on, but in the distance when we're watching um, uh, Melchi and Cassian run at the end, it looks like there are like um, ships shining spotlights in the far background. And yeah. so what I think is most tragic about it is a lot of those prisoners are going to end up back in those prisons, right? Like they said, it's going to take us months to turn them back on because they have to like turn the hydro on, which seems like it would be I, I don't know. It was, that was easy weird, to right? just open those dams, but... Uh, you know, they're, they're going to turn those prisons back on because they, they didn't destroy the prisons, right? Those prisons are still functional. And if those prisons are necessary, if what they're building is necessary, I think a lot of those people just kind of end up right back where they just escaped from realistically because they're going to need people to be running those as soon as they're turned back on. And obviously Cassian gets away and Melchi gets away. But God, like the tragedy for those guys who do escape, who swim across that lake, get caught and then wake up six months later back on, you know, the electric floor tiles. Like, that's that, that's brutal. I think they're all going to get killed. They aren't going to allow any survivors to tell the story about what happened. You can't leave survivors <laughs> yeah, unless you want to leave a legacy of some sort. No. So yeah. they're all dead. Also, uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Connor, for the 79 uh, GBP. I don't know what that is, but... Great British pound? Oh, yeah. That, that's yeah. what it would yeah. be. He's... He's, uh, no, that doesn't make any sense. I know. One of my favorite things about super chats is trying to discern what the like acronyms mean. Yeah, <laughs> we get SOK a lot, and I I always forget that it's South Korea, and I'm like, you sent me 0.5 socks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is this? Master has given Dobby a sock. <laughs> yeah. Free. Don't have to free anymore. Yes. Uh, but, uh, yeah. There's there's um. I, I I don't know, like the whole the tension that was built up, you know, and, and again, I keep saying this, I, I have some friends that can't watch Andor because it was too slow for them. And which is OK, it's, it's valid if, if that's if it's not your style. But we don't get the intensity. We don't get the care for these these prisoners. Had we not spent two episodes with them. Have we not seen what they what they go through? Have we not understand the way the prison looks? The first episode in the arc where he can't go down because they're waiting on this one guard to like run up, and that's how he knows they're shorthanded and like so many so many little things. But the other part of it is, I mean, kind of the same with any rebellion. Uh, you know, the second mouse gets the cheese. Uh, the, the first people who were trying to es escape. Uh, a lot of them got you know shot and stuff and he just had to had to keep going also i just i did think it was kind of funny but also sad how once it started the prisoner that, that they're bringing in stuff started going down and they're like we're just gonna shock this guy like he's like i, I just got here this guy it was my first yeah. day well, and then it alone. gets killed he got on board with the prison break real quick, though. He grabbed that shock staff. He was fighting back immediately. He was he was ready. I was impressed. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he no looked like he was about to shit on. himself during processing, <laughs> and then he's like, "No, I'm I'm on board with this." And and then he gets shot. It's really sad. Uh, they introduced the him with such a slow pan up from his chest that I was like, "Oh, it's gonna be someone important." I was like, "What is like member of the rebels?" Yeah. No, no, it's just some. There's some rando. You know, some random guy. Yeah, I definitely thought it was gonna be someone important immediately. Kind of bumping off of what you said, Chaco, uh, taking the time to get to know these characters. This show, being able to make us fall in love with these characters in such a short amount of time and then ripping them away from us and causing, again, emotional damage is just so good. Like um, Andy Serkis, I, can't, I cannot get over his 
his performance in this mm-hmm. is, is micro expressions. And then you see hope get ripped away from him again when he realizes he's going to have to swim or die. It's just, sorry, so good. Yeah. yeah. He's very, I mean, the ability to emote with your body and stuff in mocap also means you have to be a pretty damn good actor just in, in general, you know? Uh, and I, I, I hated, I hated him in the first episode that he showed up in because I'm like, you are also a prisoner. Like, what is this? The, the Stanford prison, like, experiment thing? Like, why are you exerting this power over these people to help these, you know, your, your jailers or help them keep you enslaved and building with connects or whatever uh but to see (laughs) hey yeah to see his turnaround was just beautiful and and chilling but uh all right let's let's jump into the mon mothma storyline oh I, i loved this conversation with so much subtext where they're saying stuff but they're having a whole different conversation at the same time. And you're kind of like, it's only you two in the room. Like, <laughs> just, just, just say it. But, uh, well, how, how did you guys feel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but how, how'd you guys feel about that, that meeting? Uh, I guess I'll ask, uh, Spooky first. Uh, I don't, I'm, it sh- I loved Mon's, uh, character showing that she, like, even if she doesn't ever get along with her daughter, she still wants a better life for her daughter. And it just shows how, like, deeply compassionate Mon Mothma is. Like, I feel like we always show her, see her choosing what's best for, like, other people, even if it's not best for her at that moment. And I think this is another example of that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just real quick, uh, Connor in the chat uh, says, uh, oh, is God, Connor. Let's see. Is, is Circus the only person we know to portray two live-action characters? And then John oh, okay. Baker said, "Tomorrow Morrison." <laughs> <laughs> and technically, so, technically, so Mark Hamill, right? Yeah, Mark Hamill. And Warwick, in, no, Warwick Davis every, probably has the most. Warwick Davis, mm, yeah. yeah, true. Warwick Davis is in has five, right? Yeah, Something he's in. Five. He's in most of them. Yeah. Um. He's Snoke live action. <laughs> I was gonna say we'll he's a live action capture, but he's it gets yeah. back to the Lion King, the, the the Lion King twenty nineteen conversation where you're like, it's an animated movie, like it looks really realistic, yeah. but there's one shot in the movie that's a real shot. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, Young, how do you feel about that? Uh, about meeting Davo that when I realized what he was proposing for his price, oh, my heart sank. My heart absolutely sank because, you know, I mean, arranged marriages, at least through a Western lens, is it's something that we're just like, not thank you, not thank you. Um, and the fact that Mon, you know, immediately goes mama bear, like, we're done here. Uh, what's the space? We'll see you out. And he's like, but this this is a really good deal. It's like she's not chattel to me. Again, like I uh, uh, I think uh, ducks and downloads is something in the chat where kind of against Leda. No offense to you, Chris, but like I don't think Leda is anything like her father. She just has been poisoned against her mother by her father, 
And every teenager is going to hate their parent at one point or another. And I think that the pressure is added on with Mon being such a public figure and having to keep up appearances. And Leda, unfortunately, has to be a part of that because she is the daughter. But just seeing that was was really interesting. And I am interested if they're going to stick to what I've heard people say about canon, that Leda does die at some point. So I'm wondering if this is the catalyst that leads to Leda's death. I, 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 I will say, like, it's not just Perrin that's turned Leda against Mon, though. I think that Leda knows that her mom's lying to her. She doesn't know what she's lying about, but, like, family knows, right? And yeah. I think yeah. that Leda, she knows she's being lied to. And I, 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 I'd like to believe, optimistically, that if she knew that it was the Rebellion, Leda would be like, you know what, Mom? That's a good cause. I'm on board. <laughs> but I, I think there's just that element of, like, my mom is never here. She works all the time. And when she is here, I don't think she's being honest with me. I, I think that even if Perrin wasn't there, if, if Mon was a, a single mom who had a, a nanny who was helping out, I still think Leda would feel the same way just because there's that element of like, there's that undercurrent of every time Leda walks into a scene with Mon, her mom stops talking because she's in the middle of talking about something that her daughter can't know. <laughs> and the feel, that would be suffocating to live under, right? And uh, I mean, that's totally right valid. Reason, you know? Yeah, Mon's doing it for all the right reasons, but her daughter doesn't know that. And so her daughter just feels isolated and yeah, it's just, it's so tragic, but it's, it's you know, yeah. the price of rebellion, right? Well, and the, the, like when they're discussing it in terms of like a price, uh, which obviously is so just all kinds of ick, right? Um, you- Dehumanizing. Yeah, you like at, at first, you know, if you're, if you're, looking at this from like, we've been really reading like real time, like fantasy stuff. And so, you know, like political marriages are um, very much a big part of um, fantasy or space fantasy, right? Or um, most of human history. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it like, it, it's, it's not uncommon. Um, and so when we, when we get to witness this tension between Mon and her daughter, and we know that like, they don't get along and they don't necessarily love one another. This is a moment that like Mon really shows like how much she loves her because it's not because she can see exactly what's going to happen and and how how the the chessboard is set out for her to be in debt for the rest of her life, right? If if she brings that boy over, oh no, they're just just to meet, I promise, just to meet. Her her daughter's gonna know her mom doesn't like that boy and there, so she's going to rebel against her mother. She's going to get close to this guy. And if they do end up together and married, he has Mon Mothma in his pocket for the rest of their lives, right? Because mm -hmm. he, yeah. he has access to her daughter. He has that connection and he can always use that against her. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what's so uh, like horrible about the entire situation is that it's not just about the now in the moment. It's about the like game but the game that they're playing. And that's that's why it's so ick. It's because it's, it's de yeah, dehumanizing and like a, a chessboard. Yeah, and I, 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 love, I love how, um, how you guys put it, you know, with how Lita probably feels about her mom. It's actually, it's really similar to the book Leia, Princess of Alderaan, where Leia is, is pissed off at her parents. Mm -hmm. uh, there's all this stuff going on and she, they're, they're, all they do is throw parties and, and they don't care and they don't include her in this stuff. 
Um, now these parties were secret meetings to help form the rebellion and they just didn't want to tell a child about it. But yeah, I can absolutely see that being, being the case. Uh, but Perrin is such a punchable man that, uh, I, I think the bigger part of it, it's not that, I don't know so much of it being, my mom is breaking with tradition and we've with Changeland tradition and we've seen that over the past few episodes like you know the Changeland drink where you put a worm in it and it disappears like cotton candy um and she's like <laughs> and she's like that's that's disgusting i don't like that uh it, all of this this tradition she's breaking away from she's in a loveless marriage and it's arranged she's stuck with this guy who she unfortunately can't punch in the face and she doesn't want later to go through that same thing and, and even though she doesn't know that he could be a stand-up you know kid but the, the way davo he's like i have money i need status and i'm gonna get that from you no matter what i don't know it was it was it was beautiful i liked it i just want to say quickly hold on just one thing later dies how can you just drop I, that with like no context? Whoa, wh sorry, when does this I, I, I don't know. I just I just heard about it that in canon, oh it, it's it's mentioned that Mon has a daughter, but she dies sometime in the beginning of the rebellion. I just hear this through the grapevine. I know nothing about it. I have not Wikipedia it. I haven't corroborated with anybody, so oh. I don't know. Yeah, oh I, I don't recall her death, um, but it, it, she is briefly mentioned, um, and then. Never, never mentioned again in many, many books going forward. Uh, so something, something happened. <laughs> and that, it would be that reshapes. No, no, thank you. The thank you for because that reshapes the whole context of the journey, knowing kind of the idea of where it could be. Because especially with Mon Mothma's character, I've I found her scenes to really be the most intense. Which again, like so many people are saying, most intense and stressful Star Wars show, and not a single blast of fire needs to be shot for it to be that suspenseful. Mon Mothma, for me, she feels like she's in her own box you know she's got Luthen and Clay are kind of weighing down on her like listen you need to be more upfront about it. if you're going to be in the rebellion you need to start making power moves she's got complications in her own home she's got complications even Vel is kind of like listen you got to start like thinking with your brain and not with your heart we got this rebellion to worry about you got family she's got all these different pressures going on and just the, and the notion that I, I think that Deva was correct in a sense that for, even if it was split second she thought about it she did think about it. And if this is something that she goes through with and it ends later as death, that is good. That's ripple effect. That mentality, every time I see her in Return of the Jedi or anything else going onwards, I'm just going to look at her and think, holy cow, man. The amount, the measurable guilt. And again, it's that idea of like, how much are you willing to commit? How much are you willing to give? Is this the one way out for Valen? Is this the one thing she needs to do to fight and get through? Just it's it's such an uncomfortable scene for me definitely the most uncomfortable scene of the episode it's that no other word i can think of besides perversion it just felt slimy it felt icky and the fact that Bo associates with her and i'm like yeah not as not very surprised not surprised that it's the company he keeps <laughs> oh i worry uh, that that's yuck Go ahead. oh sorry i was gonna, i was gonna ask uh, did they ever mention if uh like Shandrillan uh customs like Karen basically do an arranged marriage for his daughter, like are we gonna see that or has that not been really specified? 
it hasn't been I talked about for Perrin, but we. He's very old customs. Yeah, he he is. He does like the, yeah. the customs and follows along with them. Yeah, so and I, maybe, but. Oh, sorry. Uh, so, but if you if they do do arrange marriages, then marrying your your child to someone of a lower class or a known criminal would also be a, a step down for them. So, like, I think it would it would still add a lot more um, conflict. But uh, I, yeah, what were you gonna say? That, I don't know that Davo is viewed as a criminal, though, and I don't know that he's viewed as lower class, right? I think that. He's known to be by Mon Mothma and by Tay, but you know, I, I, I would wonder what his position outside of Chendrillan like nobles would be. Like on a galactic level, he probably comes across to most people as just a well-to-do banker who is of some renown, right? And e even the way that he enters that scene is so fascinating because you know he he has this like three-point plan to get to the arranged marriage it's the it's the like fourth thing he says but he starts by mocking traditional chandrillan architecture which mon mothma agrees with but then he turns that around on her and he's like yeah but the traditions of chandrill are important which she also agrees with uh and so when when he finally gets to arranged marriage he's had her agree with his point of view on the easiest aspects of chandrillan culture to get on board with and then he's like, oh, but this is also Shandrillin, right? And he throws the, the last vestiges of Shandrilla, his, their, their home world, at her. And it's the one part of Shandrillin culture that she truly isn't on board with and, and that has affected her most in her life. But he attacks her by getting her to agree first. Shandrillin culture, like, that's super important, right? Tradition is super important. Yeah, of course. All right, so we should arrange a marriage between our kids. Ah, well, <laughs> and there's the line, right? But he, he gets her to step on the line first. And it's so brilliant. You know that that whole conversation, he's arranged it from beginning to end so that he can yeah. hit his beats in order to get her to be standing on the line and have her, you know, I think that if he starts with arranged marriage, she just says no, she never thinks about it. The only reason she thinks about it is because he walks her there and he holds her hand and he says, hey, here's the field. Do you want to go play? And she's like, well... Maybe. We'll see you next week, right? Uh, he, he's a fantastic salesman. That's that's for damn sure. Uh, I, I got the impression that while he is, or what the will appear as a rich banker, the way he talked about only only coming to um, Coruscant once um, and, you know, all he wants to be invited back, I, I got the impression uh, that it was because he's not the most welcome there, but I don't truly know what his standing outside uh, outside of the plant would be. But we know that the same is true about Tay, right? Tay's also only been to Coruscant once. Prior to the, uh, the last meeting with, uh, prior to Mon Mothma bringing him out the second time. So I think that like we've kind of seen him and Tay both have very similar circumstances in relation to Mon Mothma and Coruscant as a whole. Yeah. That's, that's true. Very true. I appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, all right, so moving forward into the other storyline, right? We we find out who uh, the, we have another ginger spy, but at least he didn't start by saying, I am the spy, because uh, that was <laughs> Baby really <hot>. weird. <laughs> but uh, yeah, find out he's a spy and him going to, to visit Luthen, the darkness in that scene. 
I know. I thought that was that was brilliant. Um, uh, nerdy. What do you guys think? Oh, about that. Uh, I think the 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 reason why that scene works for me is in the the scene before it, right? When he's with ISB and they're talking to the you know the the elder statesman of the ISB comes in and he's like, "Hey, look, um, I guess we're done here, right? We just let them find the ship and we're good." And that guy's the one that steps forward. He's like, "Oh no, no, we should." behave as we normally would we should check out the ship because the most conspicuous thing we could do is not behave the way that we always would the guy's like all right we'll do that and then he walks away and he goes and reveals himself to be a spy right he helps the isb in an honest way he makes the isb scarier through competency which is what i think andor has done excellently for the empire as a whole which is make the entire empire come across more frightening than i i honestly think they've ever been through making them competent you know, the, the soldiers with the blaster rifles in Narkina 5 have better aim than any stormtrooper we've ever seen. <laughs> they actually were, like, taking everybody out. I was like, God damn, if this happened on the Death Star, this series would be a lot shorter. <laughs> 25 minutes. But the when, when we get to the scene where he's confronting Luthen, not only is he confronting Luthen about wanting to leave, but we've just seen him be evil do bad things, cause what is going to ultimately be, and I, I think that we're going to see Saw Gerrera lose a limb next episode, right? I think that Saw Gerrera is going to show up for the Santin Krieger deal, and we're going to see, what, you know, one of those visible differences between him and Rogue One. I have a feeling all of Andor is just going to be every season Saw, like, or every episode. <laughs> just loses apart. He loses, <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's like the left leg next week, but... The deconstruction uh, of Saw Gerrera. Yeah. <laughs> The, the scene with Luthen is so much deeper for me because we see how competently he is working for the ISB as mm -hmm. a spy. Like, it, it really was brilliant. Yeah, and it, and it really, like, leads to uh, believability in that he, he has worked his way through the Empire. Like, uh, there, there's a lot of time where someone's revealed to be a spy, you know, whether or not it's Star Wars or whatnot. Um, and um, you're kind of like, ah, interesting. You know, it's, it's like, uh, sure, if, if you say so, right? But we, we got, um, we actually had this moment and it wasn't even a large moment. It was just something that uh, I, I was like, yeah, of course you've made it this far. You've been damn good at your job. And like, it's probably cost lives, right? Like it, it, it's cost lives, it's cost freedoms. And that is horrifying. You know, how, how do you sleep at night? That's a great question. Um, and I do not blame him for wanting out. He's like, I have a I have a daughter now. And that like, I, I, I never thought I would feel the way that I feel now. Um, it's, I mean, it's something that I can't even begin to relate to. Right. Um, I hope not. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but the, like, he he feels like a full and complete human in the few scenes and snippets that we've had with him, because mm -hmm. we've seen him in these group settings where he can contribute like a little bit here or there. We get a we get a, a slightly bigger moment, but even then, it's not like much. And and then we get this reveal, and it's all like laid out so thoughtfully and carefully that I was like, yes. You took my hand and you led me down and I'm here for it and I believe you 100%. Yeah. That poor guy. <laughs> he's dead. He's, 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 he's going to die. I don't want <laughs> I like how unassuming they made his character when we first saw him in the few couple of meetings because, you know, it, he was just a background character and now we have this entire scene and we're just like, whoa, wait a second, wait a second. Like, I, I was screaming at my team like, is that, is that, is that? 
I I appreciated that so much. Just the way they're handling, I guess you'd say, twists in this show, completely out of left field. Yeah, yeah I didn't. Really I was like, oh, that's well, the guy with you... the eyes super close together in that one episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I recognize him. <laughs> we're gonna say well, if, if you go back and watch to... the um, we'll go ahead if you wish. I was just gonna say uh, quickly, just going back, like the in the online Star Wars conversation leading up to Andor, I felt like there were a lot of people who were like, the there won't be a lot of Star Wars references in this show because Tony Gilroy does not care about Star Wars, right? He wants to make a good television show, but he hasn't li- really read it all. And what I think is so fascinating about that point about him just being a background character in so much that gets pulled forward is the same thing's true about Melchi, who's this character from Rogue One. The same thing's true about all of these, the, the, the ways that the show has referenced Star Wars and the galaxy of Star Wars has been so subtle and it, it's been pulling things from the background forward to make them feel like they're a fully realized part of everyday life. And in doing so, it's made every corner of the Star Wars galaxy just feel a little bit closer to the audience. And that, that's been brilliant. Like not having Melchi have a line in the first two episodes that he's in and then having him be Cassian's right-hand man here, it's just brilliant, right? Cause you're like, oh yeah, that, I, I didn't even notice that was the guy from Rogue One, you know, the first episode that he appeared. And so it, it's just that that little element of Tony Gilroy, I feel like has cracked a new way to do fan service that I hope people learn from and bring into other properties. Yeah. And, and I love now that you can watch other properties and understand like that random guy in the background has a full life. He has a family. He maybe he maybe hates what he's doing, hates working for the Empire and can't sleep and has an ulcer, but he's he's just here. And then Vader chokes him, and then we, we laugh at his death. But uh, <laughs> which is the, gonna... that the books were always supposed to give, right? The books were always doing that thing of like filling in all the background characters, and now we're seeing a TV show on Disney Plus do the thing that the Star Wars publishing was doing for us beforehand. And I, I'm loving this. Almost feels more like a Star Wars novel in a way, and yeah. I'm, I'm loving it. Absolutely. I mean, I will I will, I will say going off what you said, Nerdy. Here's here's my theory. This is my uh, sinful hat theory. Tony Gilroy is a little shitster. He definitely, he's not, he's not reading Wikipedia and he's not consuming all these books, but he definitely cares. Like there was an interview that came out around episode four um, after Mon Mothma drops the Gorman uh, reference that like links back to Rebels and interviewer was like, oh yeah, the Gorman thing. And I think they kind of said it um, incorrectly or they interpreted the statement wrong. And it was like off for three minutes about like how much indifferent like research he went into rebels and whatnot like he definitely cares when it comes to story first and you know all the other fun exciting stuff second but i mean the man the man definitely like i think it was an active choice to bring back melshi for sure like looking back and you've seen the relationship melshi kind of has in rogue one where him and Cassin kind of have a little bit of back and forth and i mean i saw something on twitter today where Melshi was dragging a soldier behind cover in rogue one and someone was like oh well he probably doesn't want to leave a man behind after Nakina five and it's, it's all so deliberate when it links to the story that he's telling. So Tony Gilroy definitely, he's not, he, he wasn't the one that said, yeah, let's put Starkiller's armor in Luthen's treasury. That'll look so cool. But he's definitely like, hey, if I can link two and two together, that'll be really rewarding. And that's why it's going to feel so cool once Andor's done to go Andor and um, A New Hope as like one kind of trilogy of stories. Just seeing that flow and that continuation there, it's going to look pretty cool. I don't, he knows what he's doing. He's a cheeky bug. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, spooky looks like uh are you back? Everything's good? Yeah, sorry. Uh my dog actually unplugged my laptop cord and I didn't realize it and it didn't tell me until 
I got the green screen, and then immediately I looked behind me and the cords unplugged, and then when I looked back, my laptop was off. I apologize. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no worries. It, it happens. Um, yeah. Any uh, uh, any any thoughts, uh, Young, on on this portion? No. <laughs> no. I, I will. I will uh, say what, if if the table is open. Sorry. Uh, so we're, we're talking about the end bit with with Luthen. So it's gonna go to someone oh, else, okay. so you can kind of catch up on on what's been said. Uh, but okay. what, what were we gonna say, real quick, Tate? Oh no, I will say uh, just on the topic. I think uh, Clarice brought it up about um, Lonnie. I think his name's Lonnie. Uh, I rewatched the Nokina five episodes complete just to get like the vision. And there's a scene in I think episode eight where Deirdre's in the ISB office, and it's Lonnie and some other um, guy, and they're kind of giving her a little bit of back and forth, like what's going on with all the equipments. And you can kind of see that Lonnie kind of, he, he, the way his dialogue works, he pushes the conversation into certain directions. I don't know if that's deliberate, but going back, I want to watch all of the scenes now to see like how how in front of my face was this and the whole time. Was it under our nose that Lonnie was always like ducting things? Because definitely the way that Luther put it to him, he's like, listen, you kind of steer the ISP into one direction. We'll feed you all the little nuggets that you need. And then you keep the train of thought going. So it'd be really interesting to see how, if we look back and reflect, he was there the whole time, just in the background doing his thing. Definitely do think he's getting killed, though. Dedra's going to shoot him, 100%. I <laughs> think but he's, he's not making it out. Cyril's oh, going to start Cyril will do it. He'll be like, oh, like, my love. Like, love me. <laughs> love me, mommy. <laughs> I, I, I still feel like Cyril is just getting more radicalized by the second. And he's going to try and send a message uh, that the rebels are dangerous by himself, like blowing something up um, so that they can kind of blame it on rebels and get them angry, get them acting to kind of prove his point. Because ah, that's what some crazy people do. And I think whatever he does is going to get Lonnie killed and it's going to feel unceremonious. They didn't catch that he was a spy, but he's going to like, he's going to do leave some type of love bomb it's very like he's Oklahoma gonna have a manifesto bombing. yeah he's gonna have a manifesto for sure yeah the he's got a counter manifesto to nemic nemic's got his own and then oh yeah the this is gonna be like the bad <laughs> version of a manifesto yeah it's gonna say evil, manifesto, um... but it's just gonna be Dedra's name written a thousand times over and over again because you know and he's not gonna leave hearts. her alone like and I think that mm -hmm. like he's he is going to like insert himself into situ into a situation where it's it is going to probably I, I don't know if it's Lonnie but it's going like people are going to get hurt um, and uh, yeah I I don't know I, I I'm I am I don't know where they're gonna go with him right now which makes him wanna it makes him a fascinating character to me in this series um, because. They, they, he could be used in in so many ways, um, and I don't. Yeah, he's not leaving Deidre alone. His his name is the funniest to me though, because you know there, there there's a tradition in Star Wars of just naming people after what they are, like just the most obvious. And naming him Corn Cereal backwards is like <laughs> the funniest possible thing. Like Cereal Corn, his name is literally Corn Cereal, and that's all he. <laughs> and I was like, this is the most like. Not since Walrus Man have we as Star Wars fans had something so dumb 
Maybe Savage <laughs> Press. Savage Press is up there too. But cereal, yeah, corn cereals going on the, the shelf <laughs> on the Star Wars names yeah. with Therm Scissor Punch. Yes, and uh, also the Doctor. No, um, the Doctor in Andor. Quad Doctor. <laughs> yes, Quad. Doctor what? Uh, the the guy that was working on um, now and that kid Lufa. Uh, the doctor with the Ula. forearms? Yeah, his oh. name is Dr. Quadpaw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Runner up of Dr. Mandible, the ant doctor. You know, yeah. Also, don't see doctors in the Star Wars universe because uh, they all seem pretty wacky to me. I, I don't know. I'll go with maybe, the medical maybe. droids are the way. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I don't know. I'd go to the one on Tatooine who fixed up uh, Fennec and fixed up. Um, uh, Timothy Oliphant. Why? Why am I blanking on his name? Cat. Uh, Bob Van. The, the, oh yeah, Bob. Bob Van. Yeah, Van. that doctor. That doctor from like a hut on Tatooine is doing magic that nobody else can do. <laughs> he's the. He's like, oh yeah, that person's dead. I can bring them back to life. You know, people are like, oh, they have a cough. Sorry, I, they're, they're dead now. <laughs> <laughs> he's a Jedi. <laughs> he's a Jedi. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, Thunder Thundercats is is the boss. Uh, his name's Thundercats. Uh, he, he, that's his musician name. He's a, he's like a DJ. Oh, in real life, I thought yeah, you yeah, meant yeah. his Star Wars name was Thundercats. <laughs> I don't know which is weirder, weirder though. <laughs> it might as well be. It might as well. Be. Honestly, yeah. yeah. Um, oh my god. I, I seriously though got got teared up listening to to Luthen's speech. And like, if there if there are not awards given to this show in in this area, oh sorry, spooky. What well, I didn't get. No, your, no, I just want to expand on that after whenever you're done. Like, but because I have more to expand on that, so finish whatever you're you're saying. Because I agree with you. <laughs> the, the this the speech and the the dark places that he has to go to in order to fight. It's it's interesting to see the the counterplay between Luthen Mon Mothma. And someone like Saw Guerrera, where he's starting to look more like Saw, but Saw doesn't seem to have a code. Um, I don't think I think Saw sleeps soundly at night, you know. I and 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 Luth, Luthen does not. Uh, but it's 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 fascinating. I teared up during both speeches uh, in this, and I, I I feel like they are fighting back and forth for just being brilliant for taking the. The, the thunder from the episode but were we gonna say spooky uh i felt like especially with luthan's speech uh that whoever wrote this episode and i had to look it up and because i also heard this on tiktok i forget who but they said that oh, uh, yeah he he's written uh like broadway plays or plays uh -huh. and it really like shows with like luthan's speech because like if that wasn't like a Broadway play speech, I don't know really what is. Because if I was Lonnie and he belted that out, I'd be like, how? Like, how, did you just have that like sitting <laughs> around? Like, who like does that like all at once? Like, I can understand like one of those lines, but he did like five or six of those lines. And then Andy Serkis's speech uh, with Andor like, pushing him over the intercom. At, it, it was just such a beautiful 
uh, episode for like dialogue overall, I think in general, just so much symbolism going on. I mean, this is the the best dialogue. Yeah, in, in Star Wars, in my yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's, it's. I don't even think there's like a competition other than uh, Episode Two, the sand. Attack of the Clones. Yes, that has the best dialogue. I I no, don't know that I can agree. The sand scene. Got it. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, I was yeah. like, he's oh, saying no, this with a straight face. Yeah, I can say a lot with a straight face. Like, I'm sorry. I was like. Yeah, I played an episode two of Andor first, and I was like, there was like six pieces of dialogue in episode yeah. two. Like, almost yeah. nobody spoke in the first few episodes of this show. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, uh, just going back to what you said, Chaco, earlier about uh, Saw sleeping at night. I think if he hooks up his CPAP, he probably sleeps okay. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not, he's not there he yet. He doesn't have a CPAP yet. That's true. They might, I, I, might witness that. Well, he doesn't have his daytime CPAP, but I think he's I think he's already on the nighttime daytime. one. You know what I mean? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah. you're right, uh, Clarice. Yeah, you know, we might see uh, him get asthma with, with whatever happens. Were you gonna say, Tate? No, I was sorry. Were you gonna say something? I was, gonna say, I was thinking about this this morning. So obviously, there's a lot of parallels. You can. Yeah, is mic on? Ooh. Oh, uh, yes. Sorry, I didn't hear is it working? Person. Okay, yeah, there was no. a lag, but you're good now. Um, no, I was thinking, oh, this is what happens when you live at the bottom of the planet. It's just, no. Um, no, I was going to say, Luthen and Saw, uh, obviously there's a lot of parallels between the two of them, but I think maybe the most apt description to say is that Luthen is a self-aware version of Saw Guerrero. I don't think Saw really takes the time to sit and think. He's got his justifications in what he's doing. Really, armed revolution is all you can do to fight. But I don't think he sits at night and thinks, wow, this is like, I'm making, I'm doing horrible things in order to achieve freedom. Luthen, I don't think he's slept a sound night in 20 years. I think this dude has nightmares and trauma and things he deals with. Slaw, Slaw probably sleeps like a rock. Dude's probably just like, right, go to bed, wake up, cause a little mischief, go to bed again. It's <laughs> definitely a very interesting way to highlight the nuances and differences between all these characters, especially, um, I like the way you put it with, we've got Mon Mothma, Luthen, and Saw. Mon Mothma is that extreme, like, ideal world, like, wow, if we could only have a leader like Mon Mothma, who's, like, super awesome, super face of uh, the rebellion, so all night, like, neat and tidy, doesn't do anything wrong, but that's not the world we live in, so it's like, okay, do we have a Luthen? Is Luthen the ideal character to have at the front of this rebellion it's like no it's it, luthan does horrible things but sometimes you need to have people who do horrible things and then i feel like saul kind of falls into like the far end of it where it's like yeah he's fighting the empire but as rebels taught us it's about how you fight not fighting to win so it's a really interesting way yeah it's it plays the idea that there's there's no right there's no wrong answer and there's a lot of discourse and that's the thing the show has generated such amazing discourse from so many creators on this topic yeah uh, and the scene in the elevator as well was just, I don't know, it's just really cool with the idea of using that to meet and talking with him until he shows up and then looking like Batman standing in the dark <laughs> with, with your cloak on. Uh, I did appreciate that they I did got... nothing to make the headset look more Star Warsy. Like that was just like it was just a Bluetooth hit your piece. I'm actually we're, our YouTube channel is going to be sponsored by Raycon next month and it looks exactly like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, all right. I mean, I Luthen, think I think we've. Uh, oh, I was gonna say Luthen in the dark. He didn't give me the Batman vibes. He gave me like 
have you ever seen the family guy where Kermit the Frog is deep throat? It's deep throat? <laughs> yes. It gave me that vibe. Like uh, I thought Kermit you were doing the frog in the shadows. There for a second. Have you ever seen the family guy where Kermit the Frog is deep throat? It sounds like the most like that I don't know how they came up with that joke, but <laughs> wow. It's a parallel to uh the reporters from uh JFK assassination, I think. No, no, Deep Third is the, no, the it's uh, uh, Nixon, Watergate. Uh, Watergate. Oh, Watergate. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Nixon. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, we've we've covered uh, we've basically covered the whole episode. Uh, I want to make sure you know we didn't weren't forgetting anything. You guys have other thoughts? Um, yeah, go ahead. The we got one scene. We got one scene back. Um, Ferris. 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 Um, yeah. Where we didn't even really see any of our like main characters in that plot line all we all we found out is that andrew's mom not taking her medication mm -hmm. and that that's that's kind of it it was like the the most random like small scene that i know i know is setting up something and so i'd love to know if you guys have like predictions onto what that is because there, there's no way that with every, how meticulous everything has been there's no way that that was just there because you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Oh, Marva dies. Either that, or she's staging her sickness so she can get somehow closer to the hotel to vomit on her own fruition. I don't know, but I still think Marva's going to go out guns blazing. But she's she's dead. She's dead with with. She's not dead until she goes through those tunnels and gets Vix out. I think Marva goes through the tunnels. Oh, so I think you were saying that the medication was like important. I think she's going to like super dose whatever medication she's getting to uh, a guard or somebody oh i thought you meant she was gonna super <laughs> and like fucking rambo her way through the... no, 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 it's no. like uh, anna's ult on uh, on overwatch <laughs> no, no no i as much as i would love to Turn see into that um no oh, i meant like she's saving the medication i think and she's going to use it to somehow get bix Free. Hmm. Uh, I, I hope. Well, <laughs> the, the, oh the dialogue God. in that scene, the, one of the benefits of doing reaction video, having to edit reaction videos is I have to listen to like every single piece of dialogue very closely to see if I need to edit it out. Mm -hmm. And in the very background of that scene, what you hear is she's, she, she's hiding her meds because she wants to be like clear minded or she, she wants to be more aware. Mm -hmm. And so her meds are clouding her. And so I think she's like, I think you're yeah. right. She might be, she, I don't know how she would poison the guards with it, but that'd be a fun, like, they're all like a little bit loopy and she's just kind of walking through because they're all poisoned. <laughs> right? She gets yeah. the Imperials high. That's she's, the episode I want. She's got something up her sleeve. Yeah, I tell you what. No I, milk of the poppy today. I no have not a sound. <laughs> I don't have a sound night of sleep knowing that we see in that scene both Cinta and some ISB plants are watching Marva. And I have this nightmare vision in my head that Catherine's going to come home and then Cinta's going to pull up being like, right, I'm going to take you out. And the ISB dude's going to be like, right, I'm going to take you out. And for some reason, Marva's going to get caught in that crossfire and it's all going to be Cassian's fault and he's going to blame I have not Bruh. slept a sound night of sleep in weeks thinking about what's <laughs> happening to her. It's going to punch us in the gut and I'm just not prepared for it emotionally. <laughs> Is there another ISB agent... Well, but watching like, her. <laughs> a lot of a lot of people on TikTok or on Twitter and TikTok that I've seen are like super anti Marva, which I find very interesting. Um, it, it, like you know, I love Marva myself. Well, but there's the well, take yeah. of she kidnapped this child. 
Um, and it, it's a fa it's a fascinating point of view on it, right? Because there is that element of like, yes, but also she thought that that child was going to die on that planet, right? And I think that she's a more complicated character than I think people on that side are giving her credit for. Mm -hmm. um, but there is there is a lot of real world parallels. You know, it, it, it is sometimes when you get into something like a Star Wars and you get into having a person of color as a lead, there are real world realities of how you view how that person of color is treated, even though I, I don't know that Cassian Andor is a person of color in Star Wars in the same way that yes. Diego Luna is a person of color in the real world, right? Like those oh, yes. kind of things maybe don't exist. And so, you know, I it's it's weird to think about whether or not he was taken in the same way that children of color have been taken from their families, particularly indigenous children of color were Canadians. And like the realities of the indigenous residential schools in Canada are a horrifying thing that we as a country are trying to deal with now. But that was a lot of kids getting taken away from their families by the government, right? And so I think that there is a real, you know, by centering this story around a person of color as its lead and having him as a child taken away by this, you know, family from White another woman. planet. Yeah, by a yeah. white woman and, and a black man. So like it gets a little yeah, bit more complicated yeah. here, but the, <laughs> you know, by this person from uh, the, uh, a different planet who comes in and just picks up this child because they think they're doing what's best for that child. It does complicate the narrative around that character in a way that I find really fascinating, particularly in that she is adamant that Cassian's sister is dead and Cassian has this belief that she's alive, which I don't think we're done with. Like, I, I think that's going to yeah. come back. Yeah. But um, it, 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 it's, it's opened up a narrative around Marva that's she is she, she seems to be doing all the right things for all the right reasons. But there is this kind of like dark underbelly of what's going on with her. Yeah. Uh, I, I I agree. I had this uh, conversation. I had Brian from Pink Milk on here, and when he was talking about his two adoptive kids and how basically he has had these kids show up on on his doorstep, and it's his job to to love them with his entire heart, and, and he absolutely does. It, I don't. It, I got. I was starting to get teared up thinking about that. Of like, there's. Because from Marva's perspective, that's kind of what happened. Like, there's this, this child, you feel certain he's going to die. And you're like, ah, do, do we, uh, are we ready to be parents? I guess we are. Let's go, you know? Um, I, I just think that's really fascinating. But I don't think, you know, yeah. No, sorry, go ahead if you're not done. Oh, I was just going to say, um, for, for me, we got the little scene on, on Ferrix because um, once Cassian escapes with Melchi, uh, I, I think they might be showing back up on, on Ferrix and we're going to get a whole knockdown drag out fight in the final episode of trying to get Bix out there. I think they're going to use those tunnels. Um, I think the ISB plants are, you know, going to be in, in the crowd trying to, trying to do stuff. And they're yeah, I think the whole thing's going to get messy. So long as Brasso and B2 make it, I'm okay. And Bix, but as long as those three make it, I'll be okay. <laughs> Oh, B2 I, emo I, better I live. B2 makes it. I just, I, I like, oh. I don't think there's a world where they don't know that that is more so than any other character death. I think B2 is the, is the one that the audience can't deal with the most. And, you know, cause it, there's a reason why there's a site called does the dog die, which mm. tells you if the dog dies in a movie, right? B2 emo is the dog of this series. And this, this show thus far does not seem like the kind of show where the dog makes it. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <Star> Unfortunately. 
I see a world um, where any revolt on Ferex ends with them going like, ah, we kicked the Empire out, awesome, they're going to leave us alone forever. Like, the, the, Ferex is not lethal. If they revolt and they win, they are 100% getting clapped back. The fact that the yeah. ISB put so much pressure on that sector of space being like crucial, because it's an industrial world, right? So the fact that it's so crucial, they will just come back. I mean, it's not, it's, this isn't a spoiler, but I think we've seen and or trailer one like this teaser trailer there's like dead walking with two deaths like if death troopers are involved on ferrix it's game over especially i mean mm -hmm. two prison guards on arkina i've been portrayed as like the greatest sharpshooters in the galaxy if troopers on a revolt on ferrix mm -hmm. it's that ain't gonna end well the dog's dying i'm sorry <laughs> uh chilling in the basement uh brings up that star wars only kills side character droids which is not true because l337 it lives on in the Falcon, but we watched that girl die, and it's, it it yeah. was hard. Okay, hey, K two also died. Oh, K two, yeah, no, yeah, good point. Yeah, K also dies. Ned B. So all we need to do is watch out because whoever says climb, dead. They're dead. If you say climb, dead. Game over. They're dead. Absolutely I feel dead. like every live action Star Wars show since Mandalorian has had like some sort of droid we've loved. Maybe not Book of Boba Fett. Where they died, like Kenobi. Uh, well, yeah, the IG unit. Yeah, yeah. the IG unit is. I was so sad when he died. Lola yeah. briefly died. Lola came back though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, she came. Lola back. pulled the secret. I was talking about the, the loader droid. The Empire strikes back. He gets like blown to pieces. And yeah. I just the yellow droid died. Yeah, the yellow droid died mm -hmm. in Kenobi. I forget his name. Um, oh, oh him. yeah. She oh, um, Ned. Yeah. Yeah, Ned. Ned. Yeah, Ned. Ned's declassified school survival guy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. Throwback. Uh, I just I laugh now though, thinking about yeah. everyone going like, "Is that is that is that Rex's butt we saw?" And I'm like, "No, it's a droid <laughs> butt. It's just it's droid butt." Um, <laughs> but yeah, we can uh, go ahead and and start to to wrap up. So if there's any you know, other points that we're missing. And then you can also let me know, uh, let us all know once again, where we can find you and, uh, and your awesome content. Um, but we'll go around one last time and start with a uh, spooky. Uh, we still don't know exactly what they were building. In the God prison, damn it, right? Pat. <laughs> oh God. Uh, that's probably true. But uh, why? Yeah, it is true. Why? Why that did was, he? That was unnecessary. Episode, yeah, at the end of the episode too. Like that was that that was violence. All right. Uh, we still don't really know what they were building in the the prison, right? Like I don't, I didn't see that mentioned. But I think it's uh, a rebels reference where Ryder on the episode with Princess Leia is there, where they're doing the gravity locks. He said Ryder says like he assembled those in prison. So like I don't know like I always thought I was hoping they were gonna come out to be gravity locks, and it'd be another Rebels reference because it comes uh, the shows are taking place around the same time. But I thought they were uh, really big bionicles. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it's gonna be a Connects roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Go to Planet Emperor. Yeah. They're just building like theme park pieces. <laughs> Yeah, it's just I like the... right taking a shot at Disney itself. He's like, "Yeah, Disneyland up yours." <laughs> I like the idea on one of your other episodes, Dark Chaka. One of your guests said, uh, "One level was taking him apart, and one level was putting him back together, and it was just like yeah. a constant like <laughs> loop of like monotonous." 
Oh, oh my god. Yeah. But uh you can find me and uh on uh TikTok under the Spooky Jedi and my podcast is on Spotify, uh Rebel Scum with the side of calf, and we just talk Star Wars in general and we're also on TikTok. Awesome, beautiful. Uh and how about you, Young? Uh I could get more into Marvin, just like adopted children. I'm going to take two minutes for that. Um, I, I see where some of the people have still have an, an ick about Marva uh, yeah. because I, I am adopted and, but I, so I'm adopted from China, but my mom was also first generation Chinese. So she still had me grow up in the Asian culture, led me to therapy, but that's a whole other story. Um, but I see where people are kind of, about Marva because in a way she did kind of take Cassian's um, Canari heritage away from him because uh, he no longer speaks the language. Well, obviously she didn't know the language, but he there's not there's no connection with him to his former home besides the memory of his sister. And he, she also changes his name. Was it to protect him or was it because she didn't understand him? So I, I kind of see where people are having their their problems with her because uh, of the erasure of his his uh, ethnic background. Um, and then okay. uh, for me, sorry, uh, you can find me on the Tiki Tax at Lothal Youngling and then also on Apple and Spotify for There Are More of Us Pod. Uh, me and my co-host, we talk, we're doing deep dives into Andor. And our last episode, we were really tired. So if you listen to it, so sorry for all the giggling. <laughs> um, and how about you, Ted? Oh, man. I mean, honestly, we can hours and hours about the Marvel. That was really awesome to discourse um, in those first couple of episodes to talk about. Um, I will say, though, going off your point, Cassian is 100% a person of color in the Star Wars universe. Even if the Star Wars universe doesn't play the same rules that we have in real life, there's deliberate attempt and effort in the narrative to make it a case of othering. The fact that Cassian is the only person who has his own um, native accents in a show that is large accents, don't think that's not intentional at all. It, is it because Tony Gilroy only hired people out of England? Yes, absolutely. The way you can tie that into Cassian's identity as well. Marvis stripped him of his agency. I think it was malicious. No, she believes she was doing the right thing. But it did leave lasting effects on him. It's it's really it's such a nuanced conversation. And it's the same point on it. So super duper awesome. But yeah, let's go on. So much to see. Two episodes left, and I, I don't want to wait until 2024. I want the next season out. I want to meet Tony Gilroy and say, listen, I know you don't want to waste 15 years of your life, but please, five season vision. I need it. I need it. But yeah, I <laughs> think for that. I'm all for resonated. that. Five Did you hear what he said? He was like, he was talking to Diego Luna, and he was like, listen, man, I'm not gonna. I don't want to die making the show if we're gonna go on that long. We we gotta cap it. So can we get him to do it? Can we get him to do it? Five seasons, please. Uh, six yeah, seasons in a movie. I think the reason the show is well, we got the movie. Six seasons in the movie. Rogue One. Yeah. <laughs> I think the reason the show's resonated so well with so many people is, um, you know, Obi Wan and Boba Fett. Those shows kind of have the baggage of being characters that we already know, and everyone has their idea of what a Boba Fett show should be, what a Kenobi show should be. But the fact that for you know, besides Cassian, the majority of these characters here are new. And we have no exposure to them, and we're so engaged in learning about them and the way that we approach them and the way that we unpack their narratives and their stories. 
opportunities. It's what's made this show such a pleasure with so many amazing people like yourself. So I'm keen. Two episodes left. It's going to be super exciting. You can find me at Star Wars Facts Guy on TikTok. I'm going to be breaking it down every week and getting into the nitty gritty. Uh, closing thoughts. Thank you for inviting me here today. I always love being here when I can. And I need Funko Pops and Black Series of all these characters ASAP if anyone's listening. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> And uh, last but certainly not least, and congratulations on 25K on uh, on YouTube. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nerdy crew. Um, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to introduce such a like heavy thing right at the end. <laughs> we were like doing it. No, in our no, we're having fun. This is, this of, like, is what we do. It's so good. Well, let's try and dissect, um, you know, colonialism right at the end of the podcast. <laughs> uh, so I'll throw in my last thoughts on it. I think that... Um, I, I agree with you 100%, both of you, uh, but particularly Youngling. I think that the Marva, I think Marva's justification for her actions is that she views the uh, the Empire has already taken away Cassian's culture from him by like destroying the planet, right? And I think that I think that the, what's complicated about her character is I don't think she views what she does through the lens that we view it in the real world. No, because valid, I think that yeah. she thinks she's genuinely saving a kid from a planet that is going to kill him, like, tomorrow, um, in a way that, like, it, it makes her complicated. But I, I, I don't disagree with either of you at all. Um, having said that, you can follow me. Uh, if you, if you want to watch us watch the show, uh, our reactions are up on YouTube. Um, we have all ten of them up. And I, I've cried a few times, as I'm known to do. Uh, I'm... I, that's, I think tears got us to 25k. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, if uh, if you are one of those people who have followed us over there, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. uh, it means the world to us. Uh, I'm over at Nerdy Nightly anywhere that matters, and a few places that don't, like Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Ooh, yeah. Uh, Twitter, where the check boxes are made up and the points don't matter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have one of those checks. You know, I I I I I've paid for Twitter Blue, so like. It's gonna be curious. I might my, my like check mark showed up today. Um, because I just I had Twitter Blue already and so I, I paid for it and because I wanted to try the editing feature, which I actually do like. I think the editing feature is great. <laughs> uh, and when you post a tweet, it like goes to a different screen where it's like, are you sure you want to post this tweet? Like read it right now before you post it. And I like that screen a lot because I'm like, oh I can't I'm dyslexic, so I can't spell it all. So the second screen is always where I'm like, oh I'm I will fix that. Um, <laughs> And I like the like news side of the Twitter blue, but now that Twitter blue's become like political, I'm like, well, I guess I'll get rid. I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna keep it. Yeah. Yeah. Need to bring MySpace back. Oh, <laughs> I only want eight friends. That sounds perfect. I never had MySpace. You're so, so young. No, it's it was not that. I'm Everybody, child. every other school had MySpace, and for some reason, my school was like, we're gonna be different. We're gonna have Nextopia, and I'm like. <laughs> Yeah. Well, now you're old because I think you and I are the only people who know what next. Yeah. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what that is. I'm, I'm young. So sorry. We had MSN Messenger and Nexopia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, remember Messenger? Um, I had AIM Messenger. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, with our emo statuses. Yeah, song lyrics with mm -hmm. weird emo. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't really. Have... Dyslexics untie. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey. Hey, <laughs> I can make that joke. Uh, um, I I didn't have anything else to add. I um <laughs> just got just wanted to wrap up that whole side of things. Um, but I think it was a really interesting conversation. Um, and definitely one that um I'm glad that people are having. 
Uh, right. Yeah. I think that, you know, 100%. it's it's always important that everything is included in the discussion because everyone's going to have different, different perspectives on it and bring it to light. Whereas like, you know, before, before those things on TikTok coming up, like um, it's, it's not really something that would have been in the forefront of my mind. And I appreciate other people bringing their perspectives and shedding light on these things um, from their lived experience. Um, so, you know, social media is um, all kinds of evil, but it is also all kinds of wonderful. Um, speaking of which you can go follow me. <laughs> Um, I'm only the wonderful parts, right? Only the good parts. Well, um, uh, you can follow me at Claris Polaris. We also are both on Nerdy Nightly. Uh, you can watch us react to Andor as well as um, other other shows. And you know, there's gonna be a lot of Star Wars on there. Well, actually, not for much longer. After Bad Batch. Bad Batch. There'll be, there'll be a break, and then Bad Batch and will start up. Maybe a Grogu short on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I about that. Yeah. yeah, Grogu and the Dust Bunnies. So get ready for that, maybe. We have a determined four trailer, days. We have a like giant Grogu in the corner there. <laughs> oh, you got the Squishmallow. Yeah, this is little this, guy is the This is our dog because, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm not Claris Polaris. I'd love if you him follow me. <laughs> awesome. Well, we appreciate it. And, uh, you know, just. In, in in the vein of covering some heavy topics before we close, we can also really quick unpack the uh, femininity and uh, racist, you know, undertones of having uh, Bix be tortured uh, right after watching her be, you know, a girl boss in that room um, right before we close. But now what we or we can just save that for the next time. Anyways. <laughs> Thank you all for joining me. Thank you, everyone in the chat. St. Pat, Brian with a beard, uh, Connor Owens, um, chilling in the basement. Uh, we have Star Wars Lawyer, uh, Harith Productions, um, Rams, uh, Rams Howe, um, Elijah Sawyer, Gargantron. Awesome people. Thank you so much for, for joining. Thank you guys uh, for being part of this discussion. But that is it for now. May the force Thank be with you. Thank you for the you. invite, Shaco. Always. Thanks. Always. Thank you.